We're here to talk about all aspects of film, good or bad, from the perspective of wannabe filmmakers. Every episode, we'll dig into a movie, a performer, a director, or whatever in an attempt to unpack themes, rank favorites, and discuss successes and failures. The goal in part, as amateur filmmakers, is to walk away with a lesson about the medium in each episode. This is the Greg and Matt Movie Chat. This is Greg. Hey. And I'm Matt. So let's chat. After starting out with Blood Simple back in 1984, Joel and Ethan Cohen have made a name for themselves as some of the greatest directors in Hollywood. From Raising Arizona to Oh Brother Where Art Thou to Inside Lewin Davis, the Coens have pretty, made pretty much everything from gangster movies to westerns, even stoner comedies. Not only are they diverse in terms of genre, but their visual style is always fascinating to watch. Look, this is a podcast for people in Hollywood that don't really get enough credit. And the Coen brothers don't really fit that description. But these are also the fucking Coen brothers. And while they've received massive praise from the industry, many of their films have since been overlooked. So let's sit back and talk about what makes the Coen brothers some of the greatest directors of all time. This is it. This is a big one. Oh, yeah. This was huge, a- huge, huge episode for us. Yeah. Oh, my God. There's so much quality in here. I was saying earlier, like, for the ranking, I could just pick any random three movies out of a hat and justify why they're the best. Like, there's there's so much good stuff. Yeah, and the thing is, too, like, I know I give Lady Killers shit, but honestly, like, if someone was like, hey, um, pitch to me why the Lady Killers is a good movie, I'd I'd make an argument. I (laughs) would try. I I feel like I could do it. Um, And yeah, no, I, um, I, I, there was not a single movie here that I didn't like, you know, like at least a little bit. There are a few where I'm like, it's not the best. It's kind of meh, but most, for the most part, they, they at the very least are really nice to watch. Yeah. They're super engaging. Anything, anything of theirs. I have trouble taking my eyes off the screen. Even if I do, even if my attention starts to drift, I'm always glued to whatever's Mm -hmm. going on. They're really good at that. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Um, And they're also just some of the most interesting movie directors ever. Like, that's the thing I've always loved about them is that they'll make No Country for Old Men and then Mm -hmm. they'll immediately follow it up with Burn After Reading where, you know, Brad Pitt, who's known to be a serious (laughs) actor, basically plays a fucking airhead. And you're like, oh, okay, so we're going to we're going to switch gears into like Judd Apatow type comedy. Um, Yeah, it's funny because they have it's it's so easy to point at a coen brothers movie when you see one but they also never do what you expect right there's not just one type of movie that they make so it's hard to really pinpoint exactly what it is about them that makes their work so noticeable yeah yeah hopefully we can try and uncover that yeah no for sure they definitely have a style um but it's very hard to tell what that style is exactly. Um, the way that I was kind of looking at it after a while was I feel like their directing style is kind of like Paul Thomas Anderson meets Quentin Tarantino with a little bit of David Lynch. That's mm. kind of how I think of it in a way. And then I can there's see some, that. you know, there's some, there's just a bunch of flavors and mixes of other directors too because they're not one thing. Like no. they're very. It's always, it's never just one type of thing. It's always like um, a hybrid of some sort. Like it's, you know, you get Raising Arizona, but like it's also, there's a little bit of Mad Max, The Road Warrior in there too. There's a little bit of a Western in there too, even. Outlaws and bank robberies. Like, 
Yeah. I think exactly. a big part of their style too is dialogue. Mm-hmm. Like you could even throw Aaron Sorkin into your little like director hybrid Hats, or absolutely. writer hybrid, I suppose, because they're really yeah. focused on engaging words. Oh yeah. Yeah. They give me like a like a Tarantino Aaron Sorkin type vibe where you're like, oh my God, like this is so yeah. so fascinating, you know? And it doesn't it never feels like it's like thick, you know? It feels very easy to watch, yeah. you know? Um Lady Killers is a bit hard to watch sometimes, but we'll we'll get to the Lady <laughs> Killers later. Um <laughs> I bet people watching this haven't even or listening haven't even heard of the Lady Killers because it's so forgotten about. Um, True. Not that it shouldn't be forgotten about. It's just it is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I I love these guys. And yeah, no, I I have considered them probably like some of my favorite directors for a while. But this yeah. just solidified that. This just totally was like, yep, they are they are the best. They are some of the best directors ever. Hundred percent agreed. Yeah. The thing that's sad with this is that I watched so many of them. Now I don't really have much more to watch. So I'm like, shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that's tough, right? Like being all the way through with all of the Coen Brothers movies and then being like, well, what's left? I guess I'm going to rewatch the the ones that, you know, maybe I didn't fully get the first time around. Because I, yeah. I feel like that happens often for me with their movies where I'm like, this needs a rewatch. Yeah, for sure. And then I guess you can watch the movies that they wrote, but at the same time, they're just, they're not as good because they're not directed by them. So Mm -hmm. it's like, what's even the point, you know? Yeah. I don't care if Clooney did Suburbicon. I don't really want to watch it all that much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. But this is a good one. I, I find every time we record an episode, we look at each other and we're like, hey, this was the best quality this week. This was our best quality episode this was actually the best quality episode yeah Um, almost yeah yeah. definitely some of the best quality filmmaking that we've had to sit through during Mm -hmm. research like holy crap it's like this in our episode last time which was the short films i feel i feel like those are the two that are like the best that we've done so far in terms of quality and filmmaking Mm -hmm. but man this is this is this is a good one. This is a really really good one. There's a reason um, why they're legends. Exactly. Yeah. Like I can't really find many problems with their filmmakings. Like like you said, even when a movie's not that fantastic, it's still really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really really love. So yeah, let's just um, let's just jump in. Um, I tried to divide their movies up into kind of sections, but the thing is, like, like I said, their movies are always hybrid, so it's really difficult to, to just to divide them up. So yeah, the categories I made are early crime movies, comedies, uh, lesser known or critically unsuccessful movies, uh, westerns, harder to place, the ones that's just <laughs> like the miscellaneous movie we could just that, dump everything into there <laughs> yeah really you could just dump everything into there um and then movies that they only wrote which <laughs> this is what i love we spent so much time on all these other categories and making sure that we watched all those movies that they only wrote we didn't even bother watching which no i love um <laughs> i'm just gonna start with this one right here movies they only wrote crime wave gambit and suburbicon and I think you saw Crime Wave years ago, right? Yeah, I did. I went through a little bit of a Sam Raimi phase as a kid, so I watched. I tried to watch everything he did. Like it That's was fair. It That's was fair. fun if you like kind of 
weirder exploitation movies, I guess. It's yeah. also... I wanted to rewatch it genuinely for this and I couldn't find it again. There's like, it kept, what kept popping up instead was this like Canadian exploitation movie called crime wave. So like I, I almost spent money on that before I was like, hang on, this is not a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah. was Bruce Campbell all, also in that movie. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> if he was, I would have definitely watched it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, no, that's disappointing that we couldn't get to that one. Cause I was looking forward to that, but yeah, I also couldn't. Well, I I I was gonna say I I couldn't find it. I didn't look for it actually because I was all caught up watching their other stuff. But I would yeah. have definitely looked for it if I had the time. So, oh well. What yeah, are you gonna do? <laughs> I think the movies that they only wrote, they they don't get very much praise or recognition, which is fair because I could see the see it being the situation where a lot of other people don't really know how to make their style work because yeah. it's so unique, like where to focus, what to, what to root the story in, how to visualize it. They really mm-hmm. have such a strong sense of what they write. And I, I respect that. And I can understand why maybe other filmmakers struggle with their scripts. Yeah. And the other thing is too, like if they, lo- I mean, this might not be the case at all, but um, if they're, giving like writing projects to other people do they care that much about those scripts like do you think it's possible that they're like hmm this didn't turn out that great hey Clooney, you want to direct something (laughs) yeah (laughs) george come over here we got something for you (laughs) yeah that's true too they might put more thought and effort into the into you know (laughs) certain movies and the other ones are kind of like eh yeah, I just what? made them sound like total pieces of shit. They're not like that at all. Um, Maybe who knows? I can't speak knows? to their character. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Ethan is like the Joel, like dude, like we can't, like they're not letting us direct anything, like which is never the case. But they're like, we, we gotta, we gotta show them, like that we we can't, like we're the only people who can direct our script. So write a shitty one, give it to Clooney. Let's move on. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, that, yeah, that was, that was your fault. Clooney. I don't know. Yeah. This is why we make you an idiot in every movie you're in. <laughs> <laughs> I love that about them too, <laughs> that they, yeah. they have this, they have a clear love for Clooney playing kind of a doofus. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing I love is I love seeing George Clooney be an idiot, you know, like I love it. Um, because he's so, <clears throat> He's so known for playing like a suave, kind of handsome, but also like smart guy, like Danny Ocean, mm-hmm. or his character in Out of Sight even was pretty like you yeah. know one step ahead. As I remember, it's been a while since I've watched that, but he's just always um, this like untouchable cool guy. Yeah, from dusk till dawn too. Like he's he's just cool. He's yeah. always cool. He's super handsome too. Um, <laughs> the Greg, Greg and Matt, Matt thirst, thirst chat. chat. Yep. <laughs> um we're bringing it back oh my god um yeah greg's girlfriend started a a hashtag greg and matt thirst chat (laughs) get involved in the discussion hashtag greg and matt thirst chat (laughs) who's your man crush monday oh boy um (laughs) yeah no but um yeah i love seeing george clooney play a doofus because yeah you, you just don't expect it you know? No. And they seem to get a lot of performances like that, too, out of, like, really serious actors like Brad Pitt and Burn After Reading or Jeff Bridges and uh, The Big Lebowski, where it's just they're playing kind of just dummies or mm-hmm. stoners or idiots or airheads. And you're like, man, this is interesting, you know? So Absolutely. that's something I love. 
Um, all right, should we start with their early crime movies? Yeah, let's get into the meat of this. Yeah, alrighty. So we got Blood Simple, their directorial debut, and Miller's Crossing, um, which you didn't watch, but I saw the first half of. Yes. So, yeah. Uh, what do you think of Blood Simple? I think it's interesting that their early movies kind of seem to have this noir, heavy noir influence that we haven't <laughs> really seen come back. With yeah. that said, though, it's still, you know, a small town with kind of eccentric characters. There is a bar and it's kind of like a southern town. So there's already those little bit of like Western qualities to it. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. Aside from that, Blood Simple, really strong start for them. And oh, yeah. Like a lot of their movies is kind of rooted in these characters misunderstanding a situation or maybe going too far and not being aware of all the pieces that are involved because nobody in bud simple really knows what happened except the audience right like everyone thinks something else has happened yeah like it's interesting because that's the thing with their movies i feel like they i feel like any other filmmaker wants to make sure everything makes sense and everything lines up and everything is explained and i Mm -hmm. feel like a lot of the time the coen brothers are like Sometimes shit just happens, you know? Yeah. Um, And sometimes it's just like, there's just random shit that happens. Like, it doesn't, it never goes the way that you you want it to go. Um, And that's something that I loved about this movie, too, is that sometimes they just are fucking weird. And And I love that because Dan Hedaya, who I love in this movie, he gets shot at one point and then he's being driven for like he he must have been shot and being been unconscious for like hours yeah bleeding and then (laughs) and then he gets out of the car and starts crawling down the street and you're like how the fuck is he still alive like there is no way but you buy it you're you're like i'm in i'm in i I get it it made great like i don't know made me scared because up until that point the whole movie seems to be centered around him being like a villain right like everyone in the town thinks he's an asshole yeah, and exactly. And when you get that paranoia of him in, in the backseat, like, did he actually die? Is he dead? Or, like, we know there's a gun in his pocket. What's he going to do from that backseat? Yeah, exactly. It's really cool. So, like, even oh, yeah. if it didn't make logical sense, it made emotional sense for that scene. It added yeah. a, a lot of tension. That's the thing, too. And I feel like some of their movies are... The reason I can I compare them to, like, Paul Thomas Anderson is that I feel like some of their stuff can be symbolic. Mm-hmm. Or can be interpreted in different ways. Um, oh yeah, which is like how I yeah, I have some thoughts on Lewin Davis on how that can be interpreted and whatnot. Um, it might be, not be some groundbreaking, you know, way to interpret that movie, but I there's find a lot of their there. movies. There's something there. Yeah, there, there's always. I feel like there's the thing I like about really good filmmakers is that I feel like there's always multiple ways to interpret it. You yeah. know, um, you and I took a English course, and it was. They were talking about maybe you remember this. I can't quite put my finger on what the professor said, but they said um, there are multiple ways to interpret stuff. Like there's like the literal way of like what actually happened, and then there's like the figurative, like the metaphorical, yeah, the symbolic. Do you remember what I'm kind of? Yeah, I, to? I think I do. Yeah, yeah. So that's um, that's kind of how I see this because yeah, there's the literal way of oh, this is a guy in the back seat, but like you're saying, it makes emotional sense because it's like, well, is it? Did it actually happen, or is it like, mm-hmm. is, is there it maybe still this the looming threat somewhere? Yeah. Like, should is you it... still be scared of this guy and the consequences? Exactly. Like, is it just more that it's 
his paranoia instead of it being an actual threat, you know, because mm-hmm. to him, he walked in and the guy was lying there and he was bleeding. But I puddle mean, of blood under him, puddle of blood under him. But like, he doesn't know all the he doesn't know everything. He doesn't know exactly what happened. And it's like, I don't know. What do you do in that situation? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. The only thing I really don't like about this movie is I feel like um, the main dude. Well, that's the thing. That's another thing with their movies. I feel like there's not there's not always a clear main character in some cases, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> they love a big cast. Yeah, they just have a big cast, and I'm like, is he the main character? And I'm, and I've thought for years, Francis McDormand is the main character of Fargo, but Fargo is 98 minutes long, and Francis McDormand shows up 33 minutes into it. Yeah, it's really like, unconventional. Yeah, very unconventional. So you're like, oh, well, he the main character? And then, like you said, too, like you think Dan Hedaya is the bad guy, and then, like, what is it, like 40 45 minutes in the movie, he gets shot in the chest. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, <laughs> there it's goes not him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the thing I don't like about this movie is Dan Hedaya is really good. Francis McDormand is really good. Mm-hmm. M. Emmett Walsh, like the bounty hunter or whatever the fuck, the hitman. Yeah. He's really good. The other guy is eh. so forgettable. Yeah. Even just his face, like every time he showed up in a scene when he hadn't been in the movie for like a few minutes, I was like, oh, is this a new character? Oh, oh, never mind. I have just forgotten your face completely. <laughs> like I kept yeah. forgetting. Yeah, he just seemed like it, it's like Blood Simple starring Dan Hedaya, Francis McDormand and John Doe. Like that's what yeah. it felt like almost where you're like, who is this guy? Like it's like they were like, oh, fuck. Clooney's not a star yet. He's still doing Killer Tomatoes. Damn, we got to get uh, generic actor number one. So, yeah. Yeah. God damn. I don't think he yeah. could really hold his own around all these other heavyweights, basically. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't know what he went on to do, but I just, yeah, I felt like he did, didn't really work all that mm. well in the movie. But he had a lot know. to do. And yeah, I don't think he, he quite pulled his weight as much as everyone else. <laughs> yeah. It's unfortunate, but, um, I mean, if that's the one weak spot in the movie, and it is the directorial debut, so I don't know, maybe they couldn't get, uh, maybe they wasted all the budget on Dan Hedaya and Emmett Walsh or something. And Honestly, like, that's oh. fair. Yeah. They were like, oh, shit. <laughs> you want to call Jeff? Jeff sucks at acting, though. Fuck. It's like, well, we got no choice, <laughs> you know? <laughs> How about this guy down by the gas station? He looks like, he looks like he could act. <laughs> <laughs> he can make an intense face yeah yeah let's grab him um but yeah no um so blood simple goodler or badler <laughs> goodler <laughs> i will say also just before we get into the beat of this um we're talking about movies that have steve buscemi and john Turturro in them and like don't you find it just crazy that steve buscemi and john Turturro frequently work with the coen brothers and Adam Sandler. I love it. Right? I, I need the Coen brothers to write something for Sandler now. Yeah, I'd like to see Sandler in one of these movies. I mean, like, genuinely, like, we can yeah. agree that he's a great actor, but I feel like he, he would be good in one of these movies, like... I'm surprised he hasn't been in one yet, because the Coen yeah. brothers love to take a comedic person and give them still a comedic role, because I think all their movies are funny, on some level, mm-hmm. even the ones that are that will stress you the fuck out, there's humor in it. Um, 
Exactly. But they know how to take that humor and add layers to it where it it's never just a setup and a punchline. It's always like a character thing, you know, where like, what the fuck is this guy thinking saying mm-hmm. something like that, you know? Yeah. I could almost see him playing like, um, I wouldn't say Barton Fink, but I could see him playing a character almost like Barton Fink. Yeah. Uh, ish. Kind of neurotic um, and self-obsessed maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Um, you know, I, I don't think he would bring the the terror that, you know, John Turturro brings. We'll get to Barton Fink, obviously, later. But um, I could see him playing, like, Barton Fink's asshole brother, you know? <laughs> I could see him playing that. <laughs> hey, how we doing, buddy? <laughs> How's your script? <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I, I love, I really enjoyed Blood Simple. And I, I would love to watch it again because it's been a little bit since I've seen it, but... It's a really, really good movie. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, really strong start. Probably one of the best uh, directorial debuts. Yeah, I hope ever, they go so. back to doing some kind of like modern noir. Yeah, they do a lot of period pieces now, which is, you know, is not a problem, obviously. No. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I love seeing their like modern stuff. It's very interesting. Their next movie is uh, Macbeth. Have you heard about that? No, I didn't. Yeah, it's crazy. They're doing Macbeth. <laughs> They're doing, like, Tragedy of Macbeth, and I was like, wow, okay. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, The Tragedy of Macbeth, released by A24. Which okay. Will be, um, so it's yeah. going to be good. Oh, and then it's only Joel Cohen. Really? Written and directed by? Uh, written by Joel Cohen, directed by Cole, Joel Cohen. It's the first film directed by one of the Cohen brothers without the other's involvement. Wow. Okay, that'll be really interesting. I wonder what we will lose and gain from that. Yeah, I wonder what happened. (laughs) (laughs) They're just social distancing and, like, crying, writing their own scripts. (laughs) They're, like, looking out the window and it's raining and Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. is playing. (laughs) He can only get, like, every other line written because usually his brother fills it in. (laughs) Oh, man. And the thing is that's interesting, too, is we got Lord Macbeth played by Denzel Washington. Okay. And Francis McDormand is Lady Macbeth. Who of was, course. I mean, that's that's perfect casting. And then you got Corey, Hawk, Corey, Corey Hawkins, Brendan Gleeson, uh, Ralph Innocent, who was like Chris Finch on the British office. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a bunch of people. So this is going to be this is going to be good. Wow. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Already. And then let's Miller's Crossing is um, that's another gangster movie. It's one of the early ones. It was highly praised. Um, I was watching it last night and I really started to enjoy it. I had seen the first like 20 minutes before and been like, this is so hard to get through. I can't I can't watch this. I'm so fucking bored. Mm. Um, and then I just sat down after Barton Fink. I, I, I was like, you know what? I need some more Coen Brothers. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll watch Miller's Crossing. OK, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it so far. It's actually really interesting. Um, I wouldn't say it's their best, um, but it's but it's fun, and I like it. And John Turturro's in it, and he's mm. great. But Gabriel Byrne is the main character, and oh my god, he's he's phenomenal. He's really, really, really good. Wow. Um, I haven't seen him in that much other than Usual Suspects and Hereditary, so going to have to get on that and see more Gabriel Byrne. Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed I missed this one because it's it I also looked at it like I just googled it and saw its high ratings and all that. 
But it's yeah. not one anyone mentions. Like I always hear about Blood Simple, but not Miller's yeah. Crossing. And this seems like a salt, like a the thematically very much a follow up. Yeah, it's um, I don't know. Like, like I said, the first. I, I'm, I'm literally just contradicting myself left and right with this movie because <laughs> I do enjoy it. But at the same time, the, the first little bit is really difficult to get through. And it's I don't know. I don't think it's their most engaging movie, but it is good. And there is a really good scene in the middle of the movie with John Turturro and Gabriel uh, Gabriel Byrne. Mm. And it's in the forest. And I'm pretty sure that's like a it's it's the one that's on the poster. Um and it's, I think it's like highly regarded and remembered as being like a big one. So, okay, yeah, but yeah, no, definitely check that out. Let's move on to comedies. Um, and like again, with all of their movies, the like putting them in the ca- the comedy category is a little bit reductive because they can really like extend and be a bunch of different genres, like westerns and uh, yeah. You know, anything like that, not noir kind of things. So, yeah, that's the thing, too. And I feel like a lot of their movies can be looked at as comedies or, you know, some of these on the in the comedy section are maybe more comedies than the rest. There's always Mm -hmm. lots of elements to them. Yeah, and this and this breaking it up is more just to kind of make it just easier on us. So we yeah, kind of lumps things together. But it is, I mean, there is a harder to place category for a reason where it's like I give up. All right, yeah, <laughs> let's just dump it here. Um, the comedies that we're talking about are Raising Arizona, Fargo, The Big Lebowski, Burn After Reading, and A Serious Man. Well, Raising Arizona was actually a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. I love that movie a lot. I, th- and I, I really think- love it. Yeah. Yeah, there's kind of, um, this is probably their first one that gets towards that um, Western territory, mm-hmm. since it's like small town outlaws, a bank robbery, <laughs> right? Like a hitman, yeah. the, the, the one, you know, badass outlaw villain. So, <laughs> but it's also hilarious. Like, it is like a live action cartoon. Oh, yeah. But yeah. also a very, very tight story. Like... Oh, yeah. I, I loved how quickly it went by and how clearly everything is set up and paid off. It's really great. Oh, yeah. 100%. The first 10 minutes of this movie, I would probably consider, like, among one of the best openings to a movie ever. Hell, yeah. Because, like, this, like, I, I'm talking, like, Inglorious Bastards level, like, opening, mm-hmm. you know? Because it's really, really, really tight and really, really, really good. And, and I love really it. funny. Like, not, really a, not a dull moment in that opening. No, like, I just, I love some of the lines that they say, like, um, what was it? He's like, well, I'm a convict, but she's a cop. So we figured that kind of evens this out, you know? <laughs> yeah, when, when they're, they're trying at the to adoption adopt. center. Yeah, <laughs> that, that part is so funny. And you know what I love about the Coen brothers is that a lot of times I'll watch one of their movies and I won't really get it and I won't really appreciate it. And that was the case for Raising Arizona. The first time I watched it, I was like, this is really, this is a little too zany and a little too silly, and I just can't really get into it. And then, you know, I watched it again, and I was like, okay, so I'm an asshole, because this movie's great. This movie's so good, <laughs> yeah, and I love it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's really, really fun, and I think Nick Cage is hilarious in it. And oh, my God. Yeah, just that scene where he's, like, with all the babies you know, and he's trying to he's trying to get one. Like, there, there are so many parts in this movie I could talk about. Like, um, the one thing that really got me, that really made me laugh, is he goes in the convenience store to rob it, and he's getting huggies and you know, robbing the cash register, yes. and then it engages in like this fifteen minute like chase. 
I love through, that. like people's houses, like through the whole town. And he's in. He runs. He loses all of his groceries that he basically robbed from a store. And, and most importantly, a, the diapers. Most importantly, the diapers. So when he's running through another store, he's actually like you see him looking at the shelf and grabbing the diapers he needs. Yeah, it's no and longer then, just about like the money or the crime. Like now he has a kid. <laughs> yeah. So it's like well, fuck the money. I need the diapers. You know. So <laughs> just that shot of him running through, and he kind of he, he's he's sprinting through the store, and then he kind of slows it down so he can grab the right diapers that makes me laugh because it's like yeah like just what criminal does that um it's great. i just love that little bit of humor even in this like super like intense moment i mean obviously it's a comedy so it's all you know bigger and bolder but yeah no it, it was a lot of fun and it, it shows a lot of it it helps kind of make this criminal it gives him heart because he is just trying to be like a good dad and stuff. He just kind of, oh, yeah. he's got a, he's got a rough patch he's going through. He's got some, <laughs> some stuff that he's figuring out, but it's like, it's not about the money or hurting anyone. He needs those huggies now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, this movie is great. And, um, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just glad I, I gave it another shot and watched it again. Cause I really did enjoy this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you love this. I remember you saying, like, oh, man, this movie's this movie's hilarious. So It's so great. I would love to make something like this. Oh, yeah. It's really no. tight. It's funny. It's got some action. It's got yeah. really strong characters, and everything kind of weaves in and out perfectly. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, like, watching the Coen Brothers movies and doing, like, w- right after we did the short films episode, mm-hmm. like, it just makes me want to make my own, like, short film and just make it as crazy as possible because, I mean, like... What's there to lose, movies, right? Yeah, these movies are just crazy. Like, um, the, the one I keep thinking about from the short films episode is, like, Fortune Cookie, where it's just, like, the weirdest comedy, the weirdest Rick Moranis comedy yeah. that ever got made. But this one is just, like, nuts because it's, like, a Western comedy, neo, not really neo-noir, but the fucking road warrior, you know? Yeah. And it's just, it's so creative. Like, it's like Hell or High Water meets the road warrior meets three men and a baby or something like that. Yeah. Like, it's, yes. it's so crazy. And I just, I just love that combination. Like, I, I just want to make my own crazy movie. I just want to make, like, you know... Just, just take the insert like the three weirdest movies that really shouldn't be together. You know, Uncut Gems meets The Cat in the Hat. Um, yeah, and try and make it work. <laughs> and try and make it work. I, I think I could. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take that challenge. If anyone Uncut can. Gems. <laughs> <laughs> the cat with a gambling addiction. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, this one's fantastic, and uh, I'm glad I checked it out. Mm-hmm. Um, John Goodman's first collaboration with the coen brothers and right away you can tell he like he gets it he knows what kind of movie he's in and i can just see why they collaborated with him more from then on oh my god he is he is definitely the best collaborator with the Mm -hmm. coen brothers because he just gets them like he just gets their style and he gets everything and it's like yeah no amazing um definitely Yeah, he is one of the greatest actors ever and it's a shame he's never been nominated for an oscar it's unreal yeah, it's really unreal. He should have been nominated for that 10 Cloverfield Lane or Barton Fink or fuck, even like Oh Brother, I'd, I'd be happy with. Yeah. Even this, but I don't know, man. Politics of the Oscars. Yeah, that's what it is. 
boy. Anything else you want to say about raising Arizona? No, that's about all I got. Let's move on to Fargo. Fargo. Oh, man. Fargo is one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. Yeah. I mean, any any filmmaker would be lucky to make something this good once. Oh, yeah. Like, they could have just written this. Like, they never had to make another good movie again after oh, yeah. Fargo. But they kept doing it. <laughs> oh, they made they made probably better movies after they made Fargo. Like, I mean, No Country for Old Men. Like, obviously, like, Fargo's yeah. my favorite. But, like, objectively speaking, I mean, they probably made some better movies. So, the fact that they topped Fargo, holy shit. It's unreal. How do you do that? <laughs> but, yeah, talk to me about Fargo because it's been a while since I've seen it. This movie's hilarious. Like, it is so hilarious, and it is so dark, too, like, at the same time. And this is actually something I see happening a lot in the Coen Brothers movies, where it's just these kind of average, everyday people who get involved in crimes, basically. And then Mm. it just totally goes off the rails and becomes just insane. And things that start out like a good, simple plan that's not too, like, crazy... Mm-hmm. just go so off the rails people get killed people get hurt and it just becomes nuts and like you know you see this in like no country to an extent you oh, see yeah. this in the man who wasn't there you see it in the big lebowski in a way definitely reading fargo um maybe even raising arizona you see it in yeah. blood simple so yeah these kind of these average joes getting way in over their head yeah yeah exactly that's interesting yeah and fargo is it's so good i've always i've always maintained that steve buscemi should have been nominated for this and Mm. i i still think he should have i I think he's so good in this movie um like i don't see i don't see steve buscemi i see carl showwater show walter and um i think that's his name i don't really care carl (laughs) um our man who got shot in the face um poor carl R.I.P. <laughs> but yeah, no, he, it's just, he. this is such a good movie, and like everybody is super good in this movie. There's not a, a weak performance, and it's just, uh, it's so funny. Like, it's so funny, so quirky. Every character has just got something going on where you're like, man, what's, <laughs> who is this guy, you know? Who yeah. is this person? That's a consistent thing I find with their stuff is... They clearly, they write such specifically weird characters, you know? Like, it's not just like, oh, that person's just kind of weird. It's like, there's (laughs) so much clearly going on in their head that is atypical. (laughs) And you can just get that as soon as they open their mouths where you're like, wow, you are, you are a really strange character, but I want more. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I love it. Like, they're just everything about this movie is just. It's phenomenal. And I feel like I can't say enough about it to really mm-hmm. give it its credit. This is, I think, was this the first time they were nominated for Best Picture? Like their movie was nominated for Best Picture? I, I think so. This is one, this is the one that really defined their career. Yeah, 100%. And this is, I think, in my opinion, I think this is their best movie. Like it is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, But I feel like it has the most humor, but it also has the most like kind of darkness in it too yeah and it mixes that really well because this is this is a dark movie it's a really dark comedy um definitely but it's really funny too like 
holy shit, like Frances McDormand is just so <laughs> damn funny in this movie. Um, Probably her best role in a Coen Brothers movie. Oh yeah, no, hundred um, percent. Trying to think what else. We'll, well, we'll get into some of her other performances, obviously later. But yeah, no, this is her, definitely her best performance in a Coen Brothers movie, and this is one that won her the Oscar. So mm-hmm. well deserved. Um, yeah, no, I love Fargo, and uh, I will continue to go back and rewatch. I, it's my, it's one of my favorite movies. Why, why wouldn't I? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about Big Lebowski because this one's a big one for you, right? Yeah, I got the shirt on, audio <laughs> listeners. Um, so this is one that I think I saw as like a, a younger teen and I wasn't that into it, but something kept pulling me back where I kept going going to rewatch it. And since then, it's become a movie that I put on like twice a month. Like it's <laughs> it just it never gets old for me now. I don't know yeah. what it is. I feel like. It is just kind of a comedy in a lot of ways, and their typical sort of, you know, average Joes get in way over their head over something mm-hmm. that should have been simple. Mm-hmm. But there's some weird, like, philosophical layers about it, you know? Because you've got, like, like Walter, who's obsessed with war, and he's super reactionary, and you've got... Um, uh, the dude who is sort of a pacifist and kind of a peaceful guy... You've got the nihilists. You've got Julianne Moore as sort of this this um, second wave feminist, and there's all these like intersecting ideologies that cross in and out of each other over like the dumbest reason. Basically, the dude just wanted his rug back, and it just got way too far. So, and there's just so many quotable lines in this. I I love yeah. the hell out of out of John Goodman in this. This is probably my favorite John Goodman performance. Oh, yeah. In Coen Brothers movies, just every time he tells Donnie to shut the fuck up and how furious he is with Donnie for no reason. And everything, every situation to him relates to Vietnam. (laughs) Like, he's so (laughs) obsessed with war and everything. He's like, you know, it's just like Vietnam. (laughs) I love when the dude tells him off at the end where he's like, what the fuck does this have to do with Vietnam? (laughs) I just can't get enough of it. Oh, man. Yeah, I remember when I first saw this, I was like, I really want to go with the... The big Lebowski for, or or as the dude for um for Halloween. Yeah, it would be such a good costume. The thing I love about the Coen Brothers is, yeah, they get comedic actors to do comedic roles and do it really well, but mm-hmm. they also get people who are known to be really serious and play just idiots, and yeah. I love it. Like this is one of my favorite Jeff Bridges performances, <laughs> just because he's so stupid in this, and you're like, what is going on? Yeah. Um, and it's hilarious. And the thing I love, too, is I, I don't think you ever see him bowl. No, he just sits by. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, I love bowling. Like, you <laughs> never actually see him bowl. This is what I'm really um, that I saw. And I'm really proud that I own because I own the, the limited edition Digibook. Ooh. Um, yeah, it's really nice. And I remember I bought it before. Like, I even liked it that much because I saw it once and I was like, all right, you know, whatever. But I was like, I, I need the Blu-ray, though, because I know I'm going to love it. Um, yeah. And the second time I saw it, I loved it. I was like, yeah, this is this is a hilarious, hilarious movie. I love this so much. Um, it kind of has like a stepbrothers type thing to it where like the more you rewatch it, the funnier it gets. Yeah, um, there, there's I a love. lot of layers. Even just like the, the actual beat by beat 
plot, right, is so mm-hmm. hard to follow the first time where you're like, what does anything have to do with anything? Yeah. But the more I revisit it, the more I'm like, yeah, no, this is like really, really well <laughs> intertwined for a for a movie filled with such dumb characters. It really yeah. has so much depth, which is surprising. And I, I think it kind of shows what the Coen brothers are good at in a lot of ways because they take stupid ideas or stupid people but they always treat it with like respect and a ton of layers and depth. Oh yeah. So yeah. So good. Yeah. This is such a good movie. Um, yeah, it's just hilarious. And, um, it was so funny. I didn't John Turturro make like a movie, like the Jesus rolls or something like where he played. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or something like that. He played that character again. I don't think the Coen brothers were involved. Yeah, no, they they definitely weren't because that movie didn't do well, and you were yeah. like, oh yeah, well, they they definitely weren't. Involved. He was a great character in the Big Lebowski. I don't know if I need ninety minutes of him. <laughs> yeah, I I, I like the five that we got. Yeah, um, I don't even think we got five, but like, yeah, uh, he he was fine for what he for what he was in the movie. Um, but yeah, no, I I, I love this movie. I. I it's the kind of movie where when we talk about it, I, I just want to go back and rewatch it, mm-hmm. um, which is the case for a lot of their movies, um, including Burn After Reading. Yeah. So what did you think of this one? Because I know you said like you saw this when you were younger and you yeah. didn't love it. I was way too young when I watched it. I think my parents and I rented it thinking it was just like a comedy. <laughs> and I just remember sitting there like kind of confused by it all, like not sure what the hell was funny about it. Yeah. Uh, Because it's just way too dry and, like, too adult for, I think I was, like, 10 or 11 when it came out. So, like, there was no, (laughs) there was nothing for me to get. And then I was just shocked by the end of it. Oh, yeah. Um, But rewatching it, it's it's really funny. And it's got, like, such, I'm just always kind of blown away with how specific the Coen brothers get with their characters. Like, how do you come up with that? This is such a specific situation, a specific type of person that I would have never thought about. Like why center this around, uh, employees at a gym, you know? Yeah. But also it works so well. Like they have such a deep understanding of what makes these people tick, you know? Yeah. I love Brad Pitt in this. Brad so Pitt funny. is so funny in this. Yeah, that, another example of him taking a, of them taking a really serious actor and just making them a complete idiot. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I I love that so much. Um, this one, I think this might be one of the first. I think this might be the first Coen Brothers movie I ever saw. Really? Um, it was either this, Intolerable Cruelty, or True Grit. Hmm. And I'm not sure which one was which, but yeah, I also just what a weird first start to be either <laughs> burn after reading or intolerable cruelty. But um, hey, both good movies. So yeah, burn after reading. I don't know. I loved this movie as a kid. I remember rewatching it like a few times because I was like, this movie is so fucking odd and so fucking like funny. I just there was something about it where I'm just like, this is I think it's also because I was a younger kid and I was like, I shouldn't be watching this because right. they're saying like fucking stuff. So I'm like, I, I probably shouldn't be watching this, but I loved it. Like, I was just like, this is so funny. And so I just couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I was like, what is happening in this movie? Like, yeah. it doesn't make sense, but it does. <laughs> and it's just so like interesting to see what's going on in this and just how everything just goes off the rails. I find 
it's very similar to Fargo, like in the beats, like it's like it starts off like even some of the music I find is kind of similar to Fargo yeah. in a way, which I always found interesting. And I, I think that might be why I like this one so much, because it's like, where, where is this movie set? Burn after reading like, oh, good question. I feel like it is. Well, it's got to be near some American intelligence agency, right? Yeah. So would it be in like. Seattle or Washington or something. That's probably fair. I don't live in the States, so I'm probably yeah, very I have no far. idea about the States. There's too many of them. Cut it down. Arkansas. Um, <laughs> is it in Texas? Is it in, you know? Um, yeah, where is this? Um, uh, Washington. I don't know. Something like that. It, I, I like to think of this as Washington. Uh, it's, it's, it's Fargo in another font, basically. Yeah. Um, no, that's I'm a not going to. It's Fargo in another font. Yeah, I love this movie. It's another one. It's just so funny. And also, Brad Pitt gets shot in the fucking head. And you're like, whoa. Yeah. The most unexpected death scene ever. It's like, so oh shocking. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things where it just becomes such a serious problem, like, so fast, where you're like, whoa, dude, yeah. you know? Um, I will yeah, say, no. maybe the only thing I found um, lacking in this was it just sort of ends doesn't feel like there's much of an ending it's just like credits roll and i was yeah. kind of like okay like i think that's maybe where the co- where the fargo comparisons stops because fargo is just so thought out it feels mm-hmm. like but this i thought the movie could have gone on for another 20 minutes or so and wrapped up a little better yeah i think the thing is with this movie is i like the fact that it all just kind of ends mm-hmm. um it because goes that's one thing i yeah, like, that's the thing that I kind of like, because I remember seeing some video on it, and then the thing is, like, he's talking to J.K. Simmons in his office, and he's like, well, what do we what do we learn? And he's like, uh, I don't know, just, I guess, don't do it again. Like, yeah. that was kind of it, and I just, I don't know, like, I, I like that the Coen brothers just kind of refuse to just kind of wrap it up. Um, I don't know, maybe they could have shown a little bit more, but I kind of like that they just tell you in an office, like... What, what happened with all the characters? It's like, well, one guy flew to Venezuela. One guy's dead. One guy's in a coma. Right. One woman will, you know, I, I actually liked how Frances McDormand's story kind of wraps up. Because the first time you see her, she's in a doctor's office trying to get liposuction. Or trying to get all set up for that. And then at the end, yeah. she's like, I'll cooperate if you pay for my liposuction She got surgery. what she wanted. She got what she wanted, yeah. So... I don't know. I like that it just kind of ends where it's just like, I guess, like, we just won't deal with this. Like, you know, we'll just kind of brush it aside. And is that some kind of political satirical look at the way that people handle stuff? Maybe. Mm. Um, Because I do feel like that happens where people are just kind of like, this is the problem. (laughs) Can we solve it? It'd be way too, it would be easier to just let it go. Just throw money at it. (laughs) Yeah, just throw money at it. Just be like, okay, whatever, and just move on. So, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I don't know. I like the the ending, but I can can understand where you're coming from. Um, A Serious Man, I I, I need to watch this one again. I didn't finish it. Well, I did finish it. I just don't think I really got it. Um, Yeah, I didn't get to this one. This one, you know what I think the problem is? I, I think you can only do so much Coen Brothers in one day. Like, mm. I think, I think at least you could do, you can do like all their best stuff. Like I could, I could watch, uh, burn after reading big Lebowski inside Lewin Davis Fargo. I can watch that all in one day. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but the day I watched the serious man, 
I watched the second half of Intolerable Cruelty because I started it the night before. I watched The Lady Killers, and then I watched The Man Who Wasn't There, and then I watched The Serious Man, and okay. then Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and then The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, wow. and then the first half of Burton Thing. So by the end of the night, I was like, shoot me. <laughs> so was, I was tapped out. I think um, the thing, too, is especially, was that your first time seeing A Serious Man? It was. Yeah, I think that's what's tough with Coen Brothers movies a lot, is because it's like when I sometimes I would watch two in a row where I hadn't seen either of them. Mm-hmm. And halfway through the second one, I'm still thinking about that first one, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And I was on a tight schedule too, because I kinda <laughs> I kinda left this to the last minute. <laughs> so I just <laughs> and I was like, We we can't leave anyone behind. We gotta watch all of these. So um No serious yeah, no. man left behind. No <laughs> no man who wasn't there. We can't do it. <laughs> we can't have another man who wasn't there. Um yeah, so basically, um, I like it, I started at like noon, and I was like, "There's gonna be no breaks," you know. There's gonna be five minute breaks between <laughs> movies. So like, if I started Intolerable Cruelty at one, I'm starting The Man Who Wasn't There at three, and right, you know, and then after that, I'm starting A Serious Man at five. Like I was very like, this needs to be like on. Mm-hmm. Like I need to make sure I keep going. So. You know, by the time I get to the fourth movie in that bunch, I'm like, I don't know what what anything means anymore. You know, I'm freaking out. I don't know who I am. You know, what's going on? Right. So. So what's this movie about? It's about a a Jewish man who's basically professional and personal lives just kind of start to crumble around him. Okay. And he starts to have questions about faith. Now, that's the like, that's the Wikipedia IMDb like description. So. I, I really need to see this again because I don't think I paid enough attention to it. So I can't really totally comment on this. But like, yeah, I did. I did like parts of it, though. Okay. And I felt like after a little bit, I was like, oh, I can't. Like, I, I just got so tired. <laughs> so this is the movie I kind of I kind of didn't give the most attention to. So I'm definitely going to rewatch this again. But I it is a comedy, that, right? It, it's like a comedy drama kind of thing, like okay. a dark comedy drama. But um. It's it's a good movie though for sure. I I even though I didn't give it my full attention, um, which it definitely deserves. It's definitely a good movie and it's offbeat and it's very weird. So I I definitely need to give this a little bit more of my my full undivided self. So. Fair enough. Look, we can't Fair we enough. can't uh you know dig into everything as heavily. I'm sorry, for this. Greg. <laughs> I messed up. I messed up. <laughs> I didn't even watch this. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, man, I bought the DVD, so it shows that I that I care. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. True I, fan. I, I'm definitely going to check this one out again. This one has really good performances. You know Mark Maron actually read for the lead role in this movie? Really? Yeah. He didn't get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, you know, no, it's, it's, um, it's got good performances in it, so. Okay. Let's talk about the lesser known and critically unsuccessful movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. You want to start with Hudsucker Proxy? I I love this movie. Okay, here's the thing. This was written by uh, Joel and Ethan Coen, but also Sam Raimi. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So this wasn't, this was, I think, I guess their second collaboration then. Sure. And it's kind of, to me at least, here's what I love about it. I Mm -hmm. love It's a Wonderful Life about, you know, I love a life story. I love a story where it's like from humble beginnings to success and then a tragedy 
and then, you know, being sort of humbled again and learning to be successful in like a, uh, a fulfilling way and yeah. a way that helps the community. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the arc of the Hudsucker Proxy as well, except instead of Christmas, it's New Year's. Yeah. And I'd say it's, I think the inspiration is there from, from It's a Wonderful Life because they all, it's so firmly like almost a parody of that type of 1940s, 1950s, the way everyone talks and all that. Yeah. Um, But still shot like a modern film. So there's this interesting, it makes everything look kind of dumb. Because mm-hmm. it's like, why is that? Why do people talk like they're on stage in the fifties? You know? Yeah, it felt really cartoonish, and that's something yeah. I actually kind of liked about it. The thing is, sometimes with this movie, it went too cartoonish for me. Like um, Jennifer Jason Lee, like in the newspaper room, like that honestly really got on my nerves. She she, was, she went the hardest into that nineteen fifties radio voice. Yeah, yeah, and I was she leaned like, right in. Can you like please shut the fuck up? Like I was just kind of like please just just fuck like and it was so much sometimes where I was like I feel like I'm being bombarded with this annoying radio voice like yeah there's some people like there's one character who was like I can't remember exactly who it was but he like fires him at one point and he's like I'll kiss your shoes I'll oh, kiss your shoes that the elevator too. boy yeah elevator boy yeah he really got on my goddamn nerves holy shit. <laughs> so watching this movie, I'd be like, wow, I'm having a good t- Shut the fuck up. Fair. Shut the fuck up. You're ruining this for everyone. <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, no, I totally was, get that. This was, yeah. But no, I, I love the way it's shot, though, because it looks gorgeous. Oh, hell yeah. It's one of their best looking movies. It almost feels the city. I think it's supposed to be New York, right? But it, it kind of feels like Gotham, like a cartoonish Gotham. Like that focus on the clock tower and how yeah. the newspaper is right across from the big Hudsucker building. Like it mm-hmm. all, it feels like it's, it's not just New York. It's kind of this, like, like we keep saying this cartoon version of New York. Yeah. Like I think that's really interesting. a cartoon or something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I like that. Um, I'm yeah. surprised this isn't more well known or it wasn't successful because it like just Personally, for me, like I'm, I'm gonna be going back to this one. I'm gonna try and make it like a New Year's Day ritual to watch this movie because it, it feels like yeah. it belongs there. Yeah, this is a, this is a really awful um, box office bomb. I have to say though, this really, this is actually kind of sad. Um, it costs twenty five million to make. It made two point eight. Whoa. Yeah. Holy shit! Even during a pandemic, like Tenant made more than that. <laughs> not that much but still <laughs> yeah how much did tenant make actually like i think i, I want to say like 10 mil oh god yeah pretty why? brutal why did you fucking release it i don't know christopher nolan thought he could just end the pandemic by putting a movie out i don't get it yeah yeah that's that's bad well it's made it says on wikipedia it's made 207 oh maybe that's worldwide maybe that's worldwide but yeah no still that's pretty um that's not great. That's not a great profit. No, it's not. No. Um, but yeah, Hudsucker. I'm I'm sad to hear that it it did so poorly at the box office. I think it's yeah. I think it's fun. I might be biased because I I I like that kind of story a lot, and I get it is a little bit annoying in in its characters, but I find it kind of endearing and and funny. And I think all the jokes landed for me. I thought it was one of their funniest movies. 
Oh yeah, no, I, I I definitely got some enjoyment out of it. I maybe they could have tightened it up a little bit, mm-hmm. you know. I think it was like what, like close to two hours long. Yeah, maybe it could have been like an hour forty, you know. Yeah, but um, I, I definitely got some enjoyment out of it. I didn't hate it by any means. It, it, it it's at least an okay movie, right? Um, and it's and it's fun, and I really like Tim Robbins in it. Um, mm-hmm. I just felt like some parts I was like, I get it. Like, I, I, I get what the joke is. I, I, I don't need to sit through the whole, you know, two hours. Maybe we can just kind of, let's get a little spark notes going here. Like just, okay, boom, boom, boom. Okay, yeah. Let's move on. But th- I will say the one scene where they're discovering like the hula hoop. Oh my God. <laughs> like, like where it's going down in prices. Yeah. And then it gets so low that they're like, we'll just give it to you for free with a purchase. Or and just then, free. Yeah, you know? some random kid finds the hula hoop and everyone yeah. wants it. He's like spinning it around on his neck and you're like, oh my god, like amazing. So that's something I really enjoyed about yeah. this. Um, the next one is, I'll, I'll pump through these next ones pretty fast because I don't have a ton to say on them. But Yeah, I didn't get through a lot of these. Yeah, that's fair. Um, these ones are hard to find too, so. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you. I, I had to like t- uh, intolerable cruelty. The lady killers and the man who wasn't there. Are the movies we're talking about. Um, the man who wasn't there. I borrowed. I bought it on Amazon. And then intolerable cruelty and the lady killers. I went to a store in Brampton and bought them. So wow. yeah, I had to. I had to go to a different city entirely <laughs> to find them. Um, but yeah, no, the man who wasn't there is is good. Um, it's that same kind of thing. It's like a. Uh, it's set in like forty nine. I think. 1949 and <laughs> i grabbed my dvd to check it out um but yeah no it's in like california 1949 it's about a guy who um has a really boring life he decides to back blackmail his uh a friend of his um and then you know people get killed and you know his wife's on death row and mm. you know shit just kind of hits the fan um and it's a good movie. It's just a little. It's just a lot, you know. There's a, there's a lot to follow, and I, I, I don't know. I I felt sometimes like it got a little boring. Maybe like mm. maybe that's not the right word to use, but I feel like maybe sometimes it could be like tightened up just a little bit, and it was just a little like not engaging. Not the most engaging, no. But there are really good parts to it, and I think if I see this movie again, I'll definitely enjoy it more. And I have the DVD now, so I can watch it whenever I want. So I mean, you better. Yeah. You, you took a whole drive I, to another city I, for it. I really did. <laughs> oh, not for this one. I oh. um this one this one cost like twelve dollars on Amazon. So oh god, that's enough reason right there to <laughs> to watch it a few more times. Um, Intolerable Cruelty and the Lady Killers, though. Yeah, th- those I drove to another city to get. Um, <laughs> Intolerable Cruelty is actually pretty fun. It's a very different rom-com, but I like when, like, really high-caliber directors do, like, a rom-com. Yeah. Because they always do something different with it. And this one is, like, it's a divorce attorney um, and a and a gold digger who basically are having a romantic relationship. And, you know, it's not their best movie, but it, I would consider it, like, one of the weaker best movies of theirs okay i really wanted to see this because i saw that synopsis and i was kind of surprised and i was really hoping to get to it so i'll definitely check that out yeah it's a good one um and it's got good people in it too george clooney is the main guy and he's kind of doing a goofy performance um i I wouldn't say he's a total idiot but he's but he's definitely like um not dim-witted but he's playing a more comedic role 
Okay, is what I would say if that makes sense. He's not yeah. an idiot, but he's he, but he's playing a he's in a comedy. Hmm. Um, he's not Danny Ocean, you know. Um, <laughs> and then the Lady Killers. This is by far their worst movie, easily. And I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, "Oh my god, this is so fucking stupid! I hate this!" Like I hated it. Damn. I watched it again. I don't hate it. Um, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's a good movie. But I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's a very meh movie. But there are good things in it. There are good parts in it. And Tom Hanks is really, like, eating up the scenery with this stupid, stupid performance. Uh, it's like, a, <laughs> it's like I think he's parodying, like, William Faulkner-type characters. Mm. But it's really funny. And, like, it's Tom Hanks, so you have a good time watching him just be, like, this, like, very eloquent, like, man who's basically trying to rob a casino with, like... J.K. Simmons and Marlon Wayans, and you're just wow, like, what, what a cast! Yeah, um, that's about as far as the good cast goes. There's like two other guys who you don't know, hmm. um, and like some of the, a lot of the characters are really just like caricatures. There's some like IBS jokes in it, so you're like, okay, like not the, not their brightest humor, not their, <laughs> not the smartest humor, but I don't know. It it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I remembered it being, and. I got some enjoyment out of it, and there are some funny things in it. Like, one thing is, like, they're doing a robbery together, right? Yeah. And they have this, like, football player who's, like, really stupid. Like, it's it's caricature how stupid the guy is. Like, he's like, <gasps> like, that's how he talks. And you're like, oh, my God, like, this guy's really, 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 like, dumb. Huh. So there's one part where like, he's talking to Tom Hanks, and he calls him coach. And I don't know, that that just made me laugh <laughs> so hard. The fact that he was like, coach, coach. <laughs> like, he's not your coach. He's not your coach. It's really not that funny when you explain it. But it's funny in the movie, so. Okay. But, yeah. It's, um... I wouldn't even say it's worth the watch, but if you if you absolutely need to see it, it's not the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, just give it a chance, you know. Watch it twice, and then you'll appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, already, tell me about Hail Caesar because I I only saw like the first half of this years ago. Yeah, I know this isn't for everyone because uh, I definitely remember. I remember when it came out, I was really hyped for it, and then I saw. I guess some of the audience reaction to it. And I was like, okay, maybe I, I don't need to give it a watch. So it, it kind of went off my priority list. Um, but I watched it last night and I loved it. And I, uh, I, I gotta be honest. I love a story. I love a movie about making movies. I love movies that tackle like Marxist ideas that tackle like fifties, you know, sort of uh, McCarthyism and all of that kind of stuff. And it's all in there. There's a huge cast and a ton of great performances. And it really, it really dug dug into some ideas that I I would love to revisit and go back to. I think what it really comes down to for me is sort of the importance of storytelling and who how you tell uh, a culture story and how that's represented in history, because it's centered around somewhat centered around um trying to make a Jesus movie, right? And so it's like what stories and what ideas are important to culture. And so that's where you get sort of like um, that that fear of Marxism in there from the 50s. And you get um, that heavy, heavy anti-Marxist reaction from that typical kind of 1950s guy that Josh Brolin plays. 
Oh, yeah. And like the fix-it man kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The guy who has, like, that perfect family and a wife who lets him make all the decisions and all that. Like, that 1950s <laughs> stereotype, right? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I just I just really loved it a lot. And I'm definitely going to go back to it. Alden Einrich, is that how you say his name? I think so, yeah. yeah the guy who played he, Solo. Yeah, okay. So I had only seen him in Solo before. Um, <laughs> wow, I was shocked with how good he actually is. He plays like this... <laughs> This basically, he's an actor technically, but he's really more of a cow, cowboy stuntman. And yeah. so when he gets put into like an actual drama, like it's so fucking hilarious. He's such oh, yeah. a bad actor. And it's yeah. really funny to see a good actor play a bad actor so convincingly. Like he just cannot yeah. say a line well. <laughs> he's just this cowboy at his core. Yeah, it reminds me of like Keanu Reeves and like Much Ado About Nothing. Yeah. Yeah, he's not suited for this type of role. Yeah, no, no, no shit on Keanu Reeves. I love him. No, man. he's just more man. of a stunt man and a badass, yeah. right? He's a John Wick. He's not a, a Don John or whatever the yeah. fuck his name was in that. Yeah, like why are you putting him in Much Ado About Nothing? Why is he in Dracula? Yeah, why is he? What, <laughs> Don't what put him name? in a period piece ever. Yeah, what was his name in that again? Like uh, Jonathan? I forget. Jonathan, but Jonathan, the, the guy, Jonathan from Dracula. So yeah, don't put him in, stop putting him in period pieces, damn it. Like just make him John Wick. It's awesome. Yeah. With him on speed and, and point break in the Matrix. We're good, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I love Hail um, Caesar. I, I, okay. It's clearly not for everyone. And I think it's definitely like, I, I feel like I was the perfect audience member they had in mind for this movie, which is not like that's. You know, it's not going to appeal to a lot of people. And I can recognize its faults. I think it is a little too packed to the brim with ideas and characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely... Every time a new character walks onto the screen, it's some major actor, and you're kind of like, oh, this has to be important. Like, how does this play into the plot? Doesn't always. Yeah. Sometimes they're just a throwaway. Yeah, like Channing Tatum, doesn't he just, like, sing in that movie? Well, he actually, like, turns out to be, like, the leader of the Marxists. <laughs> At the Jesus. end, he does, like, a pirouette onto the onto the USSR submarine. It's so funny. Like, you'd think they're oh, just man. doing this indulgent dance scene with him, and then it turns out, like, <laughs> he uses those moves to get onto a Russian submarine. It, that killed me. That genuinely... Oh, like uh but yeah, yeah like like scarlett johansson's character for example and and jonah hill like it kind of plays into how heavily involved 1950s hollywood was in shaping cultural perception and public image right mm-hmm. that's they but i don't think you needed those kinds of all-stars to play basically an instrument of hollywood i, I guess yeah. maybe yeah i don't know it it makes for great texture to the film I don't know if they were used to the to the fullest of their extent. That's interesting, though, because I, I am curious to check this one out again, because um, I know, like, I remember Mark Marin on his podcast saying, like, Hail Caesar is great. Like, people aren't watching that movie correctly. And I was like, that's interesting. That's interesting to say that because, like, I don't know, what is the right way to, to watch it? Like, you know, like, how, how do you watch it, you know? Fair. Um so, yeah, I'll definitely give that one another shot because I would like to give it another chance. I mean, like, hey, look at, like, Miller's Crossing where I was like, eh, or the Lady Killers. And then I watched it again and was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, it's actually pretty damn good. Or, mm. or with the Lady Killers, it's at least meh <laughs> rather than <laughs> piece of shit, you know? 
Um, I think so, yeah. I think you might get something out of Hail Caesar just for some of its humor. There's there's a lot 100%. of great jokes in there. Oh yeah, the whole thing with Alden Ehrenreich and Rafe Fiennes. Yeah, is that how you say his name? Rafe yeah. Fiennes. Yeah, that whole scene is hilarious. So yeah, I'll definitely get something out of it. Let's move on to westerns. Like, okay, Ooh. we've been kind of talking about westerns like the whole time, but um, yeah, let's talk about No Country. Let's talk about True Grit, and let's talk about Buster Scruggs. I love me a good Western. Like, I'm a lifelong fan of, uh, especially the Sergio Leone ones. Oh, yeah. I love Westerns, and I haven't seen any of those, so I really need to get my shit together. Oh, yeah. I was just watching it the other day while I was editing our our Lynn Shelton episode. Like, that's it. Those Leone ones are another one for me, kind of like The Big Lebowski, where I just put them on all the time in the background. Yeah. Um, And you can tell the Coens have a huge love and respect for the genre, but also... Oh, yeah. They they never do anything traditional, even when they're doing mm-hmm. a remake. Yeah. Why don't we start with Buster Scruggs? Let's build up to okay. the to the Oscar winner that is No Country. Let's start with Buster Scruggs, then True Grit, then No Country. Okay. Um. Okay. How do you feel about Buster Scruggs? I think it's fun. I I think you said earlier the second half feels a little weaker, and I definitely felt that because I was starting oh, to yeah. get a little bored. Maybe there yep. was one story too many. Um, it did leave me with some thoughts, though. Mm-hmm. Is it safe to say that each of these little stories are about, like, kind of how people die in the West? Kind of. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There were yeah. some. There were some really funny ones. They all felt like a tight little short film with kind of a little bow on top. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. I like that interpretation of like. Is this how people die in the West? Because that is what it sounds like. I mean, like the the last two are very much definitely that. Like the Zoe Kazan's character, you know, dies, and um, the, the the last two, I know, I know those are about death. I can't remember them the most because I really kind of started to check out with those ones, right? But you know, Buster Scruggs, it's like yep. you know, arrogance, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, kind of like the you know thinking you're a god yeah kind of thing that kind of thing james franco you know don't rob banks yeah <laughs> liam neeson you know fuck over the people who are holding you back yeah um, you know even though that makes you a piece of shit but you know whatever the gold um, mine guy um, the gold mine guy yeah he he survived and oh did he okay but, I remember but him the thing is shot. is it, it was the guy who well he did get shot but he survived because he didn't hit anything important but, oh yeah um, yeah it was just neat or <laughs> he something he says <laughs> Um, but the guy who, who shot him, uh, he died. Right. And that was like, don't fuck people over, you know? Yeah. Kind of stuff like that. So it's, it is, it is interesting to have that interpretation of it. Um, yeah, my big issue with this is the last two stories because the first four with, um, Tim Blake Nelson, James Franco, Liam Neeson, and, uh, Tom Waits. Those are really, really, really good. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I, my favorite, what, what, what's your favorite, by the way? I don't think any of them hit the, the level of fun of the first one, personally. I, oh, really? I like kind, the bus- yeah, I kind of felt some switch. diminishing returns from there. Hmm. Personally, my favorite was Tom Waits. Okay. I love that one, too. Yeah, that one, that one's good. Um, just because I, I like to think of it as uncut gems in the West. 
Mm. Because <laughs> he's digging for gold the whole time. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, <laughs> why is this uncut gems? Um, <laughs> and, then, and then he gets shot at the end. So it literally is uncut gems. Yeah, no. It's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. But I love that one. But then the last two, the thing that really bothered me is that the last two were really boring. And they were really long, too. Yeah. So, like, the second last one is, like, 35 minutes, and the last one is, like, 25. And they were the weakest ones, and it was just sad because it's, like, this movie has been so fun, and then it ended on a whimper. Because yeah. Because the last two stories just totally, like, kind of just fell apart, in my opinion. They just kind of, all right, well. Yeah. I can't put yeah. my finger on it exactly why, but I definitely was losing interest by that point. Mm-hmm. I almost wish that... um these were separated into little episodes instead of one big movie. Cause that's how I tried to watch it, but it's so yeah. long and you keep having to like kind of reinvest in these characters and relearn to like them and what their ideas and motivations are that I kind of, by the mm-hmm. end I, I was definitely a little bit uninterested. Yeah. I remember the first time I saw this, I was like, oh, all right, whatever. Like I, I, I think I liked only like three out mm-hmm. of six of them. So when I rewatched it, I liked four out of six of them. So hey, that's one more, you know. Yeah, but I don't think time, I hated any of them. But no, definitely not. There were um, some weak ones. Yeah, I I just felt the Zoe Kazan's and the and the very last one and the carriage with Brendan Gleeson. I just felt that those were very like okay, like yeah. It just felt meandering almost. Would yeah. be fair to say meandering. No, yeah, I agree. It, it just went on and on. I, yeah. I will say the first one, that Buster Scruggs one, was fucking hilarious because oh, yeah. he's like this kind of cartoon, like like Sheriff Woody come to life, basically. Um, mm-hmm. But <laughs> when he like gets in the gunfights with people or kills them, it's so disgusting and brutal. But he's just like doing a little sing song. Like, I don't know. It was this yeah. really interesting mixture of like the gritty Western aesthetic with like this prim, polished, perfect cowboy who's like yeah. on a commercial or sells you cigarettes or something you know like from the 50s so yeah i love that and he's so good too like tim blake nelson because mm-hmm. he's really he's kind of scary yeah like that smile when he's killing people you're like whoa dude, yeah like stop <laughs> <laughs> don't sing don't sing you just murdered like three people what are you doing yeah it was so brutal but then so like cartoonishly funny which made it kind of off-putting yeah that's something I enjoyed about this. I, I really enjoyed um, those ones. <sighs> True Grit. Let's talk about a good one here. Yeah. It's been a while since I saw this, but I do remember doing like a back and forth of the original and the remake, and I did enjoy the remake a lot more. Oh, yeah. Um, I haven't seen the original. Um, I bought the DVDs that the, that was like a, it was like a two pack of like the original and the remake. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to watch the original because you know I love old westerns. I love like the Kirk Douglas westerns. Like mm-hmm. uh, what was that one that he did? The War Wagon with John yes. Wayne. That's a really good one. Uh, have you seen that? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Just a just a classic old John Wayne Kirk Douglas western. Just, yeah, oof, so good. But. This one was really, really good. I love Je- uh, Jeff Bridges so much. Mm-hmm. And Haley Steinfeld, I mean, she just really kills it. Like, this was her first, like, really big role. And she, I think she was nominated for an Oscar, and she deserved it. I yeah. mean, 
holy shit, she's so good in this movie. It was was mind-blowing. I remember around that time there was so much excitement about her as an actor Mm -hmm. because of how well she did in True Grit. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. This is, and I remember seeing her in Edge of 17 and being like, oh yeah, no, she's a fucking star. She's Mm -hmm. fantastic. She is so good. Um, Yeah, no, she's a, she's, she's a talent and she really shows it all off on this movie and not to be forgotten about, but Josh Brolin is really good in this movie. He's not in a ton, but he's really kind of, he's, he's weird. Like he's, he's, he's creepy. He's. Yeah, I he forgot about it. He me out a bit, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't like this guy. <laughs> um, there's something about him that just seems off. Like, he doesn't seem like he, he has, like, a ton of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't seem like he's just – it doesn't seem one note. It's he, He's a scary dude. Um, so, yeah. And Josh Brolin is phenomenal. He's a phenomenal actor. And yeah. I just love that he plays as well. Also, Matt Damon, not to be overshadowed. He's great in True Grit as well. Um, yeah, this is, this is a really good performance from him, mm-hmm. man. I, I just don't know what else to say here. It's just a really like, it, it, it doesn't feel like a, like a typical Coen brothers movie. It's probably, it feels like a really mainstream Coen brothers movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's not Which has as, to happen. Yeah. yeah. Cause it's, cause it's a remake obviously. So it kind of has to follow a similar formula that's kind of been done before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do feel like they get to show some of their personality and their quirks in it. So that was nice as well. Um, like how it ends, I find it was yeah. very different. Um, where it like picked up 40 years or not 40 years later, but like 25 years later where she was, you know, a 40 year old woman like that was interesting. Cause it's like, Oh, did not expect that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I love this and I, I can't wait to see it again. Cause it's, it's just so entertaining and, it just it reminded me of like a good old like western, which you don't really get that much of anymore unless you're watching like a Tarantino movie. No, yeah, the times have changed so much since those kinds of westerns that they don't really hit that same. They're just not made the same way anymore. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to see someone try and bring that back. And I think I think the Coens consistently try and. I mean, they never just, even though they literally remade a classic western, they never just remake it. You know, Mm -hmm. they always add some kind of modern sensibilities to it. 100%. I think that's what makes No Country for Old Men so special as a Western, because there's this mythology about the cowboy, right? About he's unstoppable, the, the the right thing, he'll always end off doing the right thing and, um, you know, survive and the bad guy will lose because... That's just how it works in the West. If you're 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 a good guy, you're just going to be a better killer, a better shot, no matter how morally ambiguous you are, right? But this No Country for Old Men takes place firmly in the age of the serial killer, which is a yeah. whole different beast. And yeah. being just a good-ass cowboy is not enough for an unstoppable force of nature that just kills. Yeah. <laughs> the, the age of the cowboy is over. Truly No Country for Old Men. Oh yeah, like 1980. It's done. Yeah. It's done, motherfucker. It's yeah. done. Our Abby Arbardem is coming for you. Holy fuck! He is so scary. He won the Oscar for this movie. Good. There's nobody more deserving. Like, holy shit! I I I've only seen this movie twice because it's so stressful, but I love it. Yeah, I, I love watch it this so movie much again because holy shit, it's so scary. It is. Like, oh my god. That's the thing too. You said earlier about like the car crash kind of coming out of nowhere. 
But I think that is the point of um, of uh, Anton Chigurh's character is that there is no rhyme or reason, right? Exactly. It's all yeah. up to chance. It's a coin toss. It's whether he runs into you. It's whatever. Anything. Ra- he isn't a person. He really is a force of nature. And a force of nature is random and unpredictable sometimes. And mm-hmm. he kind of experiences that nature at the end when he oh, when yeah. he gets in that car accident. Yeah. Um, so yeah. even he can't avoid a force of nature. Exactly. That's what I love about the ending. Like, I love the car crash because you're just like, <gasps> yeah. And then you're like, no, he's going to live. Like, it's there's no rhyme or reason. Like you said, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just force of nature. That's how it is. I love it. Fucking it, crazy. It definitely, yeah. It just, that's a movie that lives lives rent-free in my head. You, even though I've I've seen it only twice and like years oh, yeah. apart, but. I think about it all the time. Just a masterclass in in building tension and creating fear. And yeah, yeah. so good. That, that's kind of where I get like a Tarantino vibe in their filmography is No Country because there isn't a ton of violence in it. Mm-hmm. But when it happens, it's, it's fucking intense. It's so intense. Yeah. You know? And it's, 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 there are such long periods of like, there's not a lot of talking. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of, you know, stuff happening, but you're, you're fucking stressed out. You're yeah. really, really, really nervous. And then it's like, it's like a rubber band, like pulling a rubber band and then it snaps and Javier Bardem kills somebody. Yeah. And he kills, when he kills one person, he kills 20. Like, it's so scary. It is. Just, oh my God. The way this movie starts off too, with him just being arrested and then him in the background, just... You yeah, know. and the cop is like, yep, I got this handled, hangs up, <laughs> strangled. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's a scary dude, man. Man, oh, man. Yeah, also, I love how crafty he is. Like, a lot of this movie, oh, yeah. <laughs> I kept thinking of this as, like, murder craft. It's like, oh, yeah. who is the craftier badass? Who's the craftier cowboy here? Because Josh Brolin, too, he's very crafty. He's, he's you know, making little contraptions to hide the money. Javier Bardem, he's also incredibly crafty. He's not just killing with a gun. He's using an air gun. He's uh, he's able to, like, uh, sew himself back up. He knows how to how to divert people so he can steal medical equipment and all that. Like, yeah. there there's so much creativity to it it's not just a gun it's not just a knife it's it there's always there's so much thought and like that these are really good killers like as morbid as it is to say they are good at killing but you Mm -hmm. know what uh anton chigurh javier bardem's character is just that much better yeah exactly and that's something like i remember watching something about like fargo like the tv show Mm -hmm. and how it was like they basically have to when they made that show they kind of had like make like an imitation of um of a coen brothers movie and i feel i feel like there's so many uh similarities between anton shigurg and um lauren malvo Mm. from uh from the tv show because he's this crafty like he's as crafty as anton shigurg is and like the villains in these movies are so they're so fucking scary. Yeah. Cuz they just you never know what they're going to do. Like you know, I feel like every other villain you're like, okay, like he's going to kill somebody. Like he's going to do that. But like you don't know. Like he might let you live or he might shoot you in the fucking head with an air gun. Yeah. Like what or whatever he's using. What's that called? It's like the, a pressurized air canister or something. Yeah. It's fucked up, man. It's so fucked up. I don't like it. I really don't like it. It's so uncomfortable. And it's a multi-tool, too. You know, he, he breaks locks with it. 
yeah break skulls with it <laughs> exactly my god yeah really this is good. a horror movie man this is a freaking horror it is. movie but funny enough there is humor in there too right yeah like i found i know it's it's very tense and scary but on a rewatch i found um the scene where he's talking to the gas station owner with the like how what's the most you ever lost in a coin toss that scene that yeah. always makes me like well not always but this time it made me chuckle a little bit because this gas station owner is so humble and kind of unaware of what's out there that to him this is just like a difficult customer but we know more than that we know we've seen him kill before and i don't know just that that uh that gas station clerk's responses to everything like you don't even realize how life or death this is right now yeah yeah that's what i love and you see him he's kind of like what's going on like you (laughs) see him kind of go like hey man like what are you talking about what are you doing but it's like this guy will kill you if you fuck up man yeah Oh man, because I mean, like I've had customers like that too, but now, now I'm nervous. Like next time somebody's like, "Hey, heads your tails," I'm gonna be like, "Get the fuck away from me!" <laughs> I'm calling my manager. Get away! <laughs> I'm closing the store. <laughs> Security at aisle four, please. <laughs> oh my god. Alrighty, um, is that all you have to say on No Country? Yeah, I think so. Can't can't say enough about it. Can't say enough about it. No, it's definitely one of the best. Holy shit. Definitely deserved to win Best Picture as well. Mm-hmm. Like, holy. Alrighty. Our last category is harder to place movies, and that is Barton Fink, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, and Inside Lewin Davis. Um, I guess, I mean, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, and Inside Lewin Davis, I guess you could say they're musicals in a way. Yeah. No, for sure. I was surprised because uh, I'd never seen Inside Lewin Davis until this watch. And I was like, hang on, this kind of echoes Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But just like right? depressingly. <laughs> yeah. I am a man of constant sorrow. I don't know. How, I can't remember how it goes, but yeah. it was stuck in my head all of yesterday. But then like uh, Inside Lewin Davis truly is the man of constant sorrow. <laughs> It literally is. Um, oh fuck, dude! Um, Inside Lewin Davis. Oh my god! That like, movie I just watched me this up. yesterday. You want to start with this Inside Lewin Davis? Sure. Yeah, cool. I just watched this yesterday, and oh my god! Like I remember seeing this in theaters and being like, "Wow, that was really good." This movie, I fucking love. I love this movie so much. Me too. Um, it, I I was telling you before we got on. This is basically like the Coen Brothers folk version of. Uh, uncut gems yeah <laughs> because it keeps it's a, fucking up yeah it's a character who keeps fucking up he makes incredibly stupid decisions like he's very selfish very self-centered and it takes place over like a week of his life yeah basically which i found really interesting too um and this is like the thing is too that really he's a really frustrating character he's very much like howard ratner because um, is it is it F. Murray Abraham? Is that the guy who he talks to in the at, at the uh, I, I can't remember what it's called at the venue like, at the he... venue? Yeah, when he plays for him and he's like, I don't see a lot of money here. I think yeah. that was him. Oh yeah, that was. I'm looking it up right now. That was F. Murray Abraham. Okay, that scene. F. Murray Abraham. He looks at him and he says, "If you can do harmonies." we might have a part for you in a trio and he is so self-centered mm-hmm. and so selfish and so like up his own ass that he's like no i can't do that like i yeah it's it's, it's me or nothing which do you, is just do you so think it was also like how 
Because the, the, the whole looming, like the shadow over his life is that he had a partner, right? Like mm-hmm. a, a musical partner who who killed himself. Yeah. So like that part of it also makes him kind of sympathetic. Like he's, he's traumatized by a life event, but mm-hmm. he just doesn't deal with it in any healthy sort of way. Exactly. That's another thing too. Yeah. Like you get, like that's the thing because you can... You can see him as a good character, like as a good guy who's mm-hmm. lost. Like there, there are good things about his character, and that's another thing too. I definitely think he is traumatized because, I mean, who wouldn't be in a situation like that? Yeah. But he's he, like you said, he's not dealing with it in any healthy way. Like he's just he's being an asshole, and, to, and, and he's turning down opportunities because I don't think that he's really taking any time to understand like there are good things that are in his life and that he has good things, but he has to kind of, you know, not be so stuck up and full of himself to, Mm -hmm. to get those good things. And it's, it's, it's just frustrating because you're like, dude, like you just turned. And then like also too, he's like, I need money right away. And then he doesn't get any royalties on his, Uh, uh, on his song. And you're like, Oh my God. So frustrating on dude. So yeah, that was that's really frustrating. And the thing is too, the way I interpret this movie is this movie starts off with um it's 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 one of those movies that starts off at the end. Yeah, it's circular. It, it's circular. The thing that I love about this movie is like the the beginning of the movie is the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But the way I've always seen this is this is this is his life. This is the cycle that he's in. He's yes. in an endless cycle of and maybe that's the way it's supposed to be interpreted. I think that's the way it's supposed to be interpreted. That's definitely what I got from it. Okay, well, I, I'm glad that I'm not the only one. I feel like I'm always like that. I'm like, am I the only one who interprets it this way? It's like that's what the that's what they meant. <laughs> but <laughs> is it is it me or did Howard Ratner definitely die at the end of Uncut Gems? He literally got shot in the head. He literally. He am I shot, the only one who interpreted that as the end of his life? <laughs> But no, I totally get get what, what, where you're getting yeah. at. I like it because it's, I mean, like that's the thing. Like there are a ton of movies that are. I mean, there's. I mean, you can really interpret any movie any way you want oh, yeah. to. You know, like it's an art form, so you should be able to interpret it however the fuck you want to interpret it. You know. Yeah. Um. You know, I I, I bet there are people who who think you know Javier Bardem did not kill kelly mcdonald at the end of no country see yeah that's an interesting discussion yeah because you don't really know then there's no really way to tell it but this one this ending i i see it as this is his life because there are even parts of the movie like at the beginning of the movie there's no way of knowing that that's the end of the movie until the end of the movie like for the whole movie you're like that was the night before he like uh that was the night before the movie really like picked up like that's the night before he woke up at the apartment of the Gorefines or whatever yeah and and, and it's, it shows it too cuz he writes a message and says hey sorry i was such a mess last night yeah. so you're like oh well you know he was he was a mess like it that, turns that out whole he, week. he's always a mess yeah it turns out he's always a mess and that's the thing is that if you watch this movie like the stuff at the beginning of the week is all wrapped up by the end of the week. Like he he starts off one place, he gets into a fight with a bunch of people, and by the end of the week, he patches up all those relationships. Mm-hmm. So, to your understanding, it's you know he he starts 
one place. He fucks it up. He makes it back and they all forget about it. And then that's a constant cycle of that. And then yeah. also Carrie Mulligan even says to him at one point, you're in this constant cycle of doing this over and over and over again. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a hint right there too. Yeah. But yeah. I, um, I think it's cool too. Yeah. I think there's a level to this. That's also a little bit of like a love letter to this time and period in folk music. Yeah, I definitely find the way the movie is shot. It's very beautiful and romantic in a lot of ways, even though it is depressing. Mm -hmm. And maybe that has something to do with the state he's in where he kind of he kind of loves being sad. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like he's indulging in his depression in a really unhealthy way. And that's why he's in a cycle. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. it's, It's it's a good heavy movie. And it's it's like beautiful, but also like fuck man yeah dark yeah that's what i love i i find like i mean like he is obviously like an artist and the thing is i think like i mean when you're an artist and you're struggling this much i mean don't you kind of have to enjoy it yeah that's true too right so is it possible that maybe he just enjoys not like complaining about the fact that he's not as successful as he wants to be Mm mm-hmm like, no. is there, is, is there something there where he's just like, you know, like he, he just doesn't realize that he's really just, he, he could make this a lot easier for himself, but he just, I mean, he, he just seems to like to almost give up all the time. And then people are like, well, don't give up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then he goes back and he has a good time and he's like, okay, good. And then he has good times doing this and then he complains and he gets all upset. And then, yeah, like it's, it's a constant cycle. So. I think, yeah, I think you're totally right there. Yeah. Um, this this one got nominated for some for some good uh, awards and stuff. I'm disappointed this didn't get nominated for best original song because please, Mr. Kennedy, what the fuck? Yeah, I didn't know that song. wasn't original, but yeah, that was really good. I def I thought that was definitely like just another song. Oh yeah, no, this is that's such a good song. I I I've never wanted uh, a song with Oscar Isaac, Justin Timberlake, and Adam Driver so bad. Yeah. Poe Dameron, <laughs> Kylo Ren, <laughs> and fucking, I don't know. The Napster uh, guy. Napster, <laughs> Napster guy. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Great, great film. I love yeah. that. Anything else you want to say about it? I think that's all I got. I'm definitely going to rewatch it. It's it's a beautifully beautifully sad movie, and I love a beautiful sad movie. Oh yeah, no, they're they're fantastic. This one's so good. Um, I think this might be the only Coen Brothers movie I saw in the theaters. Oh, yeah, yeah. really good, a good one, one to catch in, in theater. Oh yeah, no, for sure. Um, okay, tell me about Oh Brother. I think this is like the happy version of Inside Lewin Davis, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I, I know it's based on the Odyssey and whatnot, but mm-hmm. it's it's about a pair a, a group of folk musicians who have a song about being sad. Um, and they make it big. Um, (laughs) I love this movie. This, this is one that kind of, I don't know why it's so feel good to me. It kind of gives me butterflies when I watch it and I can't pinpoint why exactly, but I love the music. I love that it's kind of a musical, but not in like a traditional way where kind of it's, it's more just steeped in folk music to the point where there's, there's scenes, almost every scene has at least a folk song in it. But it's not like they're singing their feelings. It's just sort of texture to the time and place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love it. I love all the performances. I think it's hilarious. Um, oh, yeah. I love George Clooney being an idiot. Um, yeah. He's so vain. 
and so obnoxious and he just never shuts his mouth um and it's it's so funny oh yeah no george clooney this might be uh this might be his best performance in a coen brothers movie would you agree with that it's my favorite at least it's definitely my your favorite. favorite yeah yeah because what i mean what else has he done intolerable cruelty okay hail caesar hail caesar burn after reading yeah i think this is his best performance oh yeah because there's definitely some deeper layers there i mean like the stuff with his wife and whatnot you're mm-hmm. like aw. But, you know, it, it, it's still funny, though, you know? Yeah. And I, I feel like people forget how good of an actor George Clooney is. I mean, like, I know he's won the won an Oscar and whatnot, but, like, let's face it, he's a he's a super handsome guy. So, like, people are like, oh, yeah, he's, he's you know, he's, he's George Clooney. He's handsome George Clooney. Like, Yeah, I feel like the Coen brothers definitely work harder to tap into his comedic chops. Like, I feel like they, they have a good relationship with him and they kind of... Oh, yeah. They do what he likes to do. They let him direct one of their scripts. So exactly. They must like him. Unless yeah. Suburbicon was a piece of shit. And they were like, yeah, this is. Give it to Clooney. Yeah. Give it to Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't oh, know if man. I have that much to say about this other than like, I, I, I love it. It's it's no. so feel good. It's one of those movies I can put on on like a bad day and immediately feel better. Oh, yeah. No, this is a really good one. I'll definitely check this one out again, though, because, like, this is one I've always had a hard time getting into because, like, Mm -hmm. I love the opening where they, like, it shows the prisoners and then you see them escaping and they're all chained together. I thought that was hilarious. The fact that it's just these three guys chained together. Um, And then they all kind of get, like, a nice, like, bromance, like, all the three of them. I Mm -hmm. love that. I love that so much. Yeah. Um, But this is one, like, it's always, it's always... I, I tried watching it when I was younger, and I'm like, I don't get it. So I turned it off. And then, you, like, last year, I think I turned it on. I'm like, I just don't think I'm in the right mood. So this year, I was like, okay, here we go. I bought the DVD. I got it. Let's go. Watched it. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. It's such a fun movie. This um, is one I loved when I was a little kid, too. I feel like I this probably was the first Coen Brothers movie I saw. It's probably the most also family-friendly Coen Brothers movie because there's... Nothing bad happens. I mean, John Goodman crushes a frog. That's about yeah. as bad as it gets. I mean, there's the Ku Klux Klan in one part. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't understand that probably as a child. That's but true. I understood were they like, were the villains. Yeah. You were like, the, wow, stay away from the men in the sheets. My yeah. dad. Um, oh, boy. But yeah, I, I, it's just heartwarming and they're most probably their most heartwarming film, in my opinion. The one that makes me feel the best. Yeah, it, it probably is their most um, family-friendly movie, though, to be completely honest. I mean, uh, Intolerable Cruelty is not really too bad, although I don't think kids are really going to understand it all that much. Mm-hmm. And then Hutsucker Proxy, maybe, because that is oh, like yeah. a Saturday morning cartoon. But Or even Raising Arizona, but all of those are good ones. I mean, like I love that they can do dark stuff, like No Country for Old Men, which is like holy shit that's disturbing but yeah. they can also do oh brother where art thou which is very light and like you said like a feel-good movie so mm-hmm. definitely shows their range there not only with genres but like how their movies like feel to yeah people and whatnot their tone they have a lot of yeah. tonal range as well yeah because like i mean like even someone like martin scorsese like his comedies like king of comedy or after hours like, yeah they're fucking dark yeah they they're still really feel dark. like a scorsese movie yeah, but these these they feel like a Coen Brothers movie, but like I, I like the thing of the Coen Brothers like Rush, like the band Rush. Mm-hmm. Like you can always tell it's the band Rush, but like the song is super different than the last like album. Like yeah, you know they'll they'll make like 
they'll put a fucking rap like verse in one of their songs and it'll be amazing and it'll fit and right then, in yeah and it'll fit right in roll the bones um <laughs> and then they have you know tom sawyer and whatnot so like yeah i like to think of oh brother where art thou as the coen brothers tom sawyer so hmm. yeah by rush yeah <laughs> yeah great great film great film great band check it great out great film great band <laughs> <laughs> do you listen to rush uh, yeah of course i'm canadian <laughs> good awesome <laughs> honestly one of the best concerts i've ever seen damn um, that would i was be lucky a good to show. see them before the pandemic yeah <laughs> um yeah the pandemic really ended that uh, <laughs> and last but certainly not least barton fink i mean fantastic like i said i love a movie about making movies and this right? is this is this is definitely better than hail caesar Oh yeah, oh yeah, no, for for sure. It's much I more focused. The, yeah, the first half of this movie is really good because I was like, okay, like he's a neurotic kind of writer, and then halfway through the movie, it just changes, and you're like, whoa. Yeah, as um, soon as I started thinking to myself, like, okay, there's still like half of this movie left. Where's this gonna go? He's just gonna have writer's block, and then it's like, holy shit. Yeah, and it it picked up the pace to like a yeah. breakneck speed. And it yeah. got so tense. Right? Tell me, when, you, when, when you're watching this and he wakes up next to the dead body, did you get like a Cronenberg vibe? Yeah, I guess so. Like a kind of a body horror. Yeah. Yeah. I got that vibe so much. Like when he sees the body and it's like torn out open and you're like, <gasps> like I got like a Cronenberg type yeah. vibe. And it's just unexplained and you're like, what the fuck is going on? Like this was so like... It was so interesting. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. It gave me chills for sure. That's, yeah. Yeah. I also love John Goodman in this movie. Oh, I mean, my he was God. so good. Holy shit. Like, yeah, don't tell your neighbor to quiet down. He'll frame you for murder. Holy shit. Seriously. <laughs> oh, I man. also but love, no. I love his dynamic with Totoro because um, mm-hmm. Totoro's character, Barton Fink, he thinks of himself as like a representative of the lower class right he's he's got these grandiose ideas about how he's gonna take theater to the lower class and it's like um sir a broadway ticket costs like a thousand dollars how are you gonna take theater to the lower class um yeah but anyways and he won't he won't <laughs> listen even to the lower class like he's so full of himself that he thinks he's yeah. made a friend with john goodman's character and obviously by the end of it or by halfway through it basically you know like this dude is not what you think he is yeah <laughs> it's really good yeah yeah, and the thing is too, like John Goodman, like holy fuck, like he's so he's so likable because I feel like I thought he was gonna be like really annoying mm. in this movie. And then he comes on screen, I was like, Nope, he is he is so likable. He is so likable. Yeah. And then you know, and then you find out about him and you're like, Okay. Um I mean I still like him. <laughs> he's a movie <laughs> character, it's fine. He's yeah, not real. No, great so, character. Like, he's a great character, yeah, except for the whole part about you know, ripping people open and taking their heads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's just interesting because you never know what's going to happen in a, in a Coen Brothers movie. Like you never know what is going to yeah. happen. And it feels like, you know, what's going to happen. You're like, okay, this is going to be the next scene. And then it doesn't happen. Yeah. Right. When I thought I had this movie figured out, it makes a left turn and I'm yeah. like, what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> yeah. I love it. Oh, my God. My biggest regret with this movie is um, I think I saw the DVD years ago at Canadian Tire. <laughs> this is a recurring theme on this channel is the is the uh, the Canadian Tire DVDs. Um, Apparently, there's some great it. finds. 
Yeah, I didn't I didn't buy it, oh. and I don't know why. It's a real disappointment. I'm going to have to go back and look for it. Um, man, what a shame. Yeah, great what movie. What a goddamn shame. It is, it, is, it is a great movie, and oh, man, I love it. Alrighty, well, what can we what can we take away from this after looking at all their movies? You know, I think I found a common thread in terms of defining their stuff. Um, so hear me out. I put I, I put some thought into this for each one of their movies. I think the Coen Brothers they love a small town and those quirky residents who live there, mm-hmm. um, and their main characters are really people who could only exist in a really, really specific time or place or circumstance. You know what I mean? Yes. So yes. it's like these these weird quirks of a very particular type of person who's believable and very real. Like there are people in those situations but that you would never think of naturally. You know, it's never just a... He's never just a screenwriter in the movie like Barton Fink. He's it's never just uh, a detective. It's never just a stoner. Like there's exactly yeah. There's, there's a lot of layers. More. Yeah, like I said earlier, there's always like a hybrid of something. Yes, like they're always like this and something else. Like it's a stoner and a detective mm-hmm. type, th- or a guy who's trying to be a detective and is not very good. <laughs> um, but it's but it's but it's layered. It's never just. It's never just the caricature of mm-hmm. that. It's always just, you know, like it's it's always deeper. It's always yeah. deeper than you think. And I think that's where a lot of their humor comes from, too, because it's always so weird. It gets so weirdly specific that the situation becomes unreal. Oh, yeah. But as you follow the thread, you're like, of course that would happen. But I'm also surprised. Like humor, part of humor is like surprise, right? Like, oh, I didn't expect that. But yeah. they make such a specific situation where the natural thing to happen from that situation is something ridiculous, something funny. Yeah, exactly. Like, I love that they, they turn it on its head by, because like you said, it's like they take a situation and the next thing to happen, you can kind of guess if you know the situation. Mm-hmm. So what they do is they just make a situation you've never heard of before. Yeah. And you're just like, well, I don't know what's going to happen now. Because it, what it has to be is ridiculous, like you said. Like, you wake up, you, it's a screenwriter who has writer's block. What's going to happen? He's going to wake up to a girl who's half open, and you're going to go, oh. <laughs> like, what yeah. are you going to do? What's that What's that follow-up going to be? Which, is, which makes for more pleasure for the audience, because, I mean... They always have a good answer, but I mean, like, at that point, like, any any answer is good because you're just like, I just want to know what the fuck's going to happen next because mm-hmm. this is fucking insane. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, I love it. I love their films. It definitely is super uh, an inspiring uh, group of movies to watch because it shows oh, yeah. that you can take these old ideas. You can, you can steal those old ideas and bring a whole new dimension to them that has never been shown before. Absolutely. Yeah. I just I just love watching their um like just the unexplained shit in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I love in Inside Lewin Davis where they, he just walks into the bathroom and finds John Goodman on the floor from heroin. Yeah. And that's the most information you get, you know? You don't right. know what happens to John Goodman or Johnny Five, but that's it. Like you that's all you get, you know? You only get the perspective of inside of uh, you only go inside Lewin Davis. Exactly. Because you know, you you only see what he sees and they they're totally fine with just withholding information from the audience or yeah. withholding it from the characters and not giving you the complete satisfaction. So yeah. 
That's I, something I enjoyed. Yeah, and uh, it adds yeah. like a very unique texture to that world that is believable and real, but also it doesn't need to be explained. Like it's just mm-hmm. a fact, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're really good at creating different universes, like creating a universe that's just insane. Yeah. You know? And it makes sense. And it's never like, okay, but that would never happen. Like Raising no. Arizona, the guy, the road warrior. Makes sense. It's right in. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. I mean, everything is crazy. Like, honestly, like, dude, like it's. I mean, yeah, these are all yeah. idiot criminals. So what, what, how, who's the best of the best, basically, yeah. is that road warrior guy. And he is the best <laughs> of the best criminals. It, may, it makes uh, like its own logic in the world that, that is all about this sort of outlandish crimes. Mm-hmm. hundred percent. Shall we rank? Um, so let's talk about our favorite like performers in the in this movie and in, in their movies, like the people who the actors who have popped up multiple times. Yeah, because they've got a few clear friends who who they cast often when they mm-hmm. make films. So my three, my number three is John Turturro, and my favorite of his is obviously Barton Fink. I mean, he's absolutely that's the best character he's played. It's it's the one that's gotten the most time and dimension for sure because yeah. he's usually a bit part. How did he not get nominated for an Oscar? I don't know. He completely right? disappeared, though. I've never seen him play something more than, like, just kind of a silly guy. Yeah. He's really good. You know, it's nice when he steps out of the Sandler movies and he does uh, he does something with the Coen brothers. Yeah. It's really, really good. He, yeah, like, I don't even see John Turturro in there. It's Barton Fink. He it's completely Fink, yeah. camouflages. My number two, <laughs> Frances McDormand. We got to give it to her for Fargo, right? I mean... She, she won the Oscar oh for that, God. and it's yeah. still to this day her iconic role, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I, I don't it, think, yeah, she's ever shook that. It's funny because I, when we're talking about her best Coen Brothers performances, I'm like Fargo and Three Billboards, and then I'm like Three Billboards is not a Coen <laughs> Brothers movie. But you know what's funny though is I feel like Three Billboards is a really good movie to watch after this marathon because it's it's similar ish. Mm. to a Coen Brothers movie, I think at least. Yeah, um, I can see I that. I find Martin McDonough's movies are kind of similar in a way, so... There's definitely some thematic comparisons there. Right, yeah. Have you seen it? Three yeah. Billboards? Oh, I love film. it. I, I got the Blu-ray over here. I only got the DVD. Oh. <sighs> Fucking jealous. <laughs> um, my number one is John Goodman in The Big Lebowski. That is my favorite role I think he's ever done. Just like this... this gun crazy ready to fight right winger who is just uh, he doesn't even realize how stupid he looks he thinks he's this badass who's just like nom this nom that but like everyone around him is like he's he's mental <laughs> oh yeah i love no, 100%. it 100 he's fantastic um yeah i'm jealous you got that <laughs> i wish i could have done like top six and gotten all six oh yeah here, no but if i had top six i would just like fold your list into mine <laughs> pretty much right uh my number three is josh brolin i'm i'm torn on whether i want to say he was better in no country or in true grit because i love him both of those um obviously he's overshadowed in no country and he's overshadowed by jeff ridges and true grit and Haley steinfeld obviously mm. but I mean, he's great in those. I mean, like, I think it takes a good actor to know when to step back and let somebody else take the foreground and, you know, shine. But he he's a really, really good straight man in um, 
in no country i mean like not it's not like javier bardem's cracking any jokes or anything like that mm-hmm. it's not like he's walking in there hey guys what's going on <laughs> last night i went to the gas station and i shot the guy in the head <laughs> he called tails and then the laugh track yeah no um He's he's really good in that movie because he's he's playing it very straight. Yeah, um, but also I get that I get that sense that he's like I really want to be a cowboy. Like yes. I stole a bunch of money. I'm a cowboy. Like yeah. Number two, Steve Buscemi in uh, Fargo. Oh my god. I mean, just him in general. Like him coming out of the floor and Barton Fink is fucking hilarious. But like, <laughs> man, him in Fargo though. How yeah. did he not get nominated? How did he not win? I no love him in that movie so much. And then number one, I'm going to say George Clooney because I love this man. I love seeing him play idiots and um, him and Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Incredible yeah. performance. So funny. Uh, yeah, no, so funny. All right, let's get into the best movies. Yeah, our honorable mention for this is basically every movie that didn't make the list. <laughs> Pretty much. I don't even know if we should say them because it might spoil our lists. I mean... Who cares? Honestly, All right. go ahead. Who cares? It's really. I mean, hey, maybe my number one is the Lady Killers. Um, That's true. The honorable mentions are pretty much every single movie that didn't make the list, and every the list in the honorable mentions list is pretty much every movie they've ever done except for the Lady Killers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honorable mentions: The Hudsucker Proxy, Hail Caesar, True Grit, Miller's Crossing, Intolerable Cruelty, Raising Arizona, Burn After Reading, Blood Simple. The Man Who Wasn't There, a serious man, even though, you know, I didn't really give the most attention. I still, it deserves to be there because it is fucking good. Um, And The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. All fantastic films. I mean, really, like, you can't go wrong, I would say. You really can't. On to the best. My number three is Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Might not be their most recognized film. I feel like it's better Mm -hmm. known for its soundtrack. But like I said, it it literally gives me butterflies every time I watch it. Something about that energy just it it, it does it for me. I love it. It's Number fantastic. two, no surprises here, The Big Lebowski, because I this is their movie I've seen the most times. I think it's got the most rewatch value. I think. Oh yeah, it's probably their funniest. It made me laugh the most. Although oh yeah, Hail Caesar, pretty fucking hilarious too. But The Big Lebowski is just nonstop, and there's so many jokes that kind of you miss and there, there's more to rediscover through every watch 100 percent, yeah uh and number one deserves a spot on on either of our lists because they, oh, yeah. they've basically got two best movies of all time uh oh yeah no country for old men is my number one such a stressful movie such a beautiful movie as a fan of the western personally it's a great modern version of a western because the cowboy is dead. There is no more cowboy. There, there's bigger threats that a cowboy can't handle now, and that oh, yeah. time is over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the cowboy versus the serial killer. Oh yeah. boy, what an what an intri- interesting movie. Holy shit! Um, really is no country for for old men. Oh, for man. real. Yeah, my best number three, Barton Fink. I just I love this movie. I'm surprised how much I love this movie, but it was so 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 good. And it was so weird, and I loved it. I loved every single minute of this movie. It is so interesting, and also John Turturro, just the best performance he's ever given, mm-hmm. in my opinion. I think I think that's fair to say, best performance he's ever done. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I need to see more of his stuff. Oh my god. Number two, Inside Lewin Davis. You know, uncut gems in the in the nineteen sixties. <laughs> <laughs> Howard Ratner is a folk singer. Yeah. 
Uh, this is fantastic. This is a really, really, really good movie. And I mean, Oscar Isaac was nominated for the Golden Globe for this movie. He should have been nominated for the Oscar. He was fantastic. Yeah. It's really hard to make this character likable, and he does that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then number one, I mean, I kind of gave away that this is going to be in my this is going to be my number one favorite Coen Brothers movie when I said this is one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. It's fucking Fargo. Of course. You know? How is it not Fargo? Fargo's amazing, you know? So, uh, yeah, no, this was a ton of fun. This was probably my favorite binge other than the short films. Yeah. Um, and Lynn Shelton. I mean, we've had like a good like one, two, three streak there of just amazing, amazing uh, directors that we've just been able to watch. So It's true. Yeah, it's been phenomenal. Very inspiring, the past three episodes. Oh, yeah. Um, But... That's about it for this episode. Be sure to check out halconmedia.com for all our relevant social media links. Uh, and also be sure to follow us on Instagram, Greg and Matt Movie Chat, for regular discussions. Get involved in the talk. You got opinions about movies? Dish them out. Um, we're on. Yeah, direct message me your, your angry movie opinions. <laughs> all right? I'm willing to fight you. Yeah. <laughs> you want a movie argument? You can get one. Uh, follow Greg and Matt Movie Chat on Instagram. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, uh, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. We're working on getting onto more services, so stay tuned for that. Um, and that about does it. Till next time, everybody.